This is Something to Gnaw On, a short podcast for the Christian with a short attention span or just short on time, designed to give you something to mentally or spiritually gnaw on throughout your day, a Bible study in bite-sized form, if you will. And I'm your host, Nate Vinio. Today's episode is The Power of a Letter, and I might add, this will be the second to last episode of season one. Some couples have those crazy cool stories about how they met. Maybe they grew up next door to each other and have been a part of each other's lives since birth. Maybe they were high school sweethearts. Maybe they were set up on some crazy blind date. Maybe they hated each other in college but somehow realized that they were perfect for each other. Maybe they met online after intensely shopping for a mate. Or maybe it was a crazy set of events. Jamie and I have a friend named Jackie who met her husband, an English bloke, online. And let's just say that now she lives in England with said bloke. Dual citizenship at its finest. Some people have these crazy cool stories of how they met, but not me and Jamie. The fact of the matter is that neither of us can remember when we officially met. Between the years of 2002 and 2006, we went to the same church, ran in the same circles, And in blissful and ignorant fashion, we passed constantly without knowing it. We can trace our steps to one specific Christmas party that we both know we were at, but ironically, we don't remember having any engagement with each other whatsoever. How's that for a romantic and stunning story? But somewhere near 2006 and 2007, curiosity was piqued, an eye was caught, and Jackie was the culprit who pointed it out to Jamie. And with interesting regularity, we would run into each other at the local Starbucks or a Books a Million or at our church Bible studies or social events. Jamie even ended up with me in a truck on a Valentine's Day scavenger hunt. Of course, it's a story for another time, but we had a good time, despite mechanical trouble with the truck that we didn't find out until after the fact, and we laugh about it today, but it could have been pretty bad. In 2007, I'd been divorced about six years and was heading to Thailand on a missions trip with my church. There were eight of us going to visit a missionary from our church and bring gifts and hopefully a boatload of encouragement. Oddly enough, Jackie, whom by this point I saw as a little sister I'd never had, was going on the trip, but not Jamie. And while Jamie didn't go on the trip, she sent Hallmark cards with personal messages with me and Jackie. So each day, we would read our letters from Jamie, encouraging us in our trip and prophetically speaking strength and encouragement to us. She had to have spent hours on these cards, first picking them out, secondly, writing personal messages on each card without scribbling out the errors. They were flawless, in my opinion. And thirdly, they were tailored to each of us. I found myself strangely disciplined in only reading one per day and not cheating by opening the others. But I did reread the ones that I had previously opened. You might say in the light of this podcast that I would gnaw on her letters. And the truth of the matter is that there were many layers to these letters. There were the basic messages of encouragement. She had been on missions trips before and she knew what we'd be dealing with. But under that were the subtle revelations of character and emotion, concern, and dare I say, 
as much as she might say otherwise or might have said otherwise at the time, there was attraction. And I don't know that she'd acknowledge this, but I wonder if she didn't give Jackie some of the letters as a way of blunting the forward nature of the letters she wanted to give me. I mean, it's not so obvious that she's interested if someone else gets the letters too, right? Anyhow, there was also an attention to detail and a subtle sense of humor that connected with who I am. Sure, she wrote something encouraging to Jackie, but I could tell there was a deeper interest. And these letters were piquing my interest more deeply in Jamie. They were a glimpse into her heart. We weren't dating before the trip, and we didn't date immediately following the trip. Truth be told, the general feeling was that Jamie was too good for me, which is still an accurate statement, of course, but I didn't figure I should pursue anything at that time, no matter how much I wanted to. That is until my friend Ty gave me a swift kick in the pants, but that's a completely different story and gets us far ahead of where we need to be in this story. But I will say that that is the guy that our son is named after. Anyhow, moving on. As time wore on, I would glance at those cards she wrote to me, and while they spoke to my heart, they haunted me. They haunted me because I was so attracted to the author, but the situation had a sense of impossibility about their relationship with her. And while the letters spoke my love language, the taunt of their presence became such that, I regret to say it, but I threw them away. I can still see where they sat last, on the end table, next to my favorite reclining seat on the blue sofa, next to the remote control and the reading light and a random box of Trivial Pursuit cards that I used to read randomly for fun. Yes, I'm weird like that, but that's how I did it. Anyhow, I can't tell you how many times I've thought of this and wish that I could have those letters back. Sure, there's more to this story, and I don't know when it'll become beneficial to tell. But for now, let me say, 16 years later, I'm putting this podcast together, and I have a card that she wrote me from 2018 next to me. I have several notes from her, and the kids for that matter, as bookmarks in my Bible, and I never throw them away. Sure, they may be a few scattered around the house and in different drawers, but I will never make the mistake again of throwing away something so sacred. I don't think I saw it then, but looking back, it's as if God used Jamie's heart and a pen to heal a deep wound from my shoestring snot days. And you can go back and listen to that uh, episode for this to make a little bit more sense. It may not fill in the gaps completely, but there is a sense in which this was an absolutely redemptive moment. And as much as she intended to write those letters from her heart and her mind, I'm certain she had no idea how deep the healing would go and how deeply God would use it to touch my soul. And again, I have to play the card that there's another story about that, but to put it in Reader's Digest form, there was a time when a letter like this brought me great pain. A pain that literally changed the course of my life, I believe. Maybe another time it would be appropriate to tell the story, but not today. But nonetheless, God used Jamie's pen and a few cards out of a collection and a few carefully chosen words to capture and heal my heart. Isn't it cool how God works all things together for good for those who are called according to his purpose? I love that promise out of Philippians 4. 
As we wrap up this episode, I've mentioned a renewed focus on encouraging every listener to not only gnaw on the episode, but to get into scriptures themselves and to begin to gnaw on the Word. In the same way that I would gnaw on Jamie's letters, I pray that everyone listening would use this moment as a springboard to dive into God's Word and let God's Word get into you. Gnaw on it. Ponder it. Meditate on it. So much of the Bible is a story, but it's delivered, in most cases, in the form of a letter or a holy hallmark card. There's an author, an intended audience. There's a message. There's a history. There's a culture. There's a backstory, all of which set up the letter in context for a deep and accurate understanding. Luke wrote to Theophilus, Paul wrote to the Ephesians, the Philippians, the Colossians, and Timothy and Titus. Shoot, Paul wrote nearly everyone he knew. Peter wrote letters. John wrote letters. The prophets in the Old Testament were writing letters. David wrote letters in the form of a prayer journal, and we use the term psalms instead. But they're letters. They're in his journal. And while I love history, and while the Bible is a lot of history, it is delivered in the form of a letter. And let's not forget God's intent captured in Jeremiah 31, verses 33 and 34, that he would write it on our hearts and our minds for the purpose of us all to know him firsthand. Look it up. Let me quickly read three little Hallmark cards, three little memes, if you will, from the New Testament about how authoritative, inspired, inerrant, important, and effective God's love letter to humanity is. I'll read all three of them from the Amplified Version. Moving forward into the next season of the podcast, if you don't have these three passages on mental lockdown, you will need to. These three bedrock statements about God's Word provide a solid foundation for every other promise or revelation of God's character found in Scripture. Statement number one. Peter writes in his second letter, Chapter 1, verses 20 and 21, quote, But understand this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter or comes from one's own personal or special interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. I would add here, for some added depth and study, to go back and read from verses 16 on, on your own time. It's an incredibly rich passage. Statement number two comes from the verse I spent so much time on in the episode called Death to Pepe with regard to speaking Scripture. The verse from 2 Timothy 3.16, quote, All Scripture is God-breathed, given by inspiration, and is profitable for instruction, for conviction of sin, for correction of of error and restoration to obedience, for training in righteousness, learning to live in conformity to God's will both publicly and privately, behaving honorably and with personal integrity and moral courage, so that the man of God may be complete and proficient, outfitted and thoroughly equipped for every good work. End quote. And let's not forget statement three, coming from the writer of Hebrews. Quote, For the word of God is living and active and powerful, making it operative, energizing, and effective. 
It is sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating as far as the division of soul and spirit, the completeness of the person, or of both joints and marrow, the deepest part of our nature, exposing and judging the very thoughts and intentions of the heart. End quote. If you want to summarize or synthesize these three verses and string them together, it simply and concisely says, no prophecy of Scripture comes from a specific person. It's God-breathed, God-inspired. It's profitable, useful, powerful, so that the Christian can be complete. Jamie's letters sat on my end table for days and weeks, really. And the words taunted and haunted me. Not because they were bad, just the opposite. What was in them was good. It was what I longed for. It revealed the heart of a godly woman, a woman of integrity, a woman that I deeply longed to get to know. The taunt and the haunt of it was that I believed that there was too much of my past that would keep the relationship from becoming a reality. And I couldn't have been more wrong. God's Word, His letter, is authoritative meaning that you can take it to the bank. You can build on it. It is trustworthy. While it is written by 40-some authors, ranging from fishermen and farmers to priests and prophets and kings, a doctor and a tax collector, to name a few, it was written on three continents over roughly 1,500-plus years with a message that is coherent and it intentionally reveals God's heart for mankind. It is the most unique book of all, or should I call it a letter? And its effect is that it will speak through the letters, through the characters, the situations, and the history to you, to your heart, to your mind, to your situation. It will taunt you to read it, not because it's bad, but because it's everything you need despite everything that you are. In a previous podcast, I believe I mentioned the survey or maybe it was on the Facebook page, from the Center for Bible Engagement, where they studied over 100,000 people for over eight years and revealed that the chief Christian discipline that predicts maturity in the believer is getting into your Bible four or more times per week. And the crazy thing was that the people who claimed to be getting into their Bible one to three times per week showed no recognizable difference than those who don't read at all. Now, this doesn't mean that going to church doesn't have an effect or counseling or praying or some of the other Christian disciplines don't have an effect or are not necessary. That's not what the study was getting at. It's just to say that getting into your Bible is of the utmost importance for the believer if they expect to grow and mature and to be set free. Their report showed a nearly 50% decrease in bad life-controlling problems ranging from pornography, drugs, alcohol, smoking, to gossip and anger. There's a broader list, and it'll be in the show notes if you want to read it or want the link so you can go and read it. It's absolutely an incredible study, in my opinion. But it also showed positive characteristics in a Christian's life that gets into the Bible four or more times per week, double. It's truly an amazing study. And like I said, I'll attach a report or a link to the report so you can read it. It's not a super long one, maybe 12 pages at most, and it's an easy read. That said, the challenge is for people who see the Bible sitting on their end table right next to the remote control. You've got to pick the letter up and read it. 
Don't let the devil taunt you and haunt you with who you have been or for fear of what you will read. It is good. It's God's character. It's his heart. It's his word. He has revealed himself to you and he wants you to grow, to be mature, to be free from life-controlling issues that hell would have you bound by. But freedom is found in the pages of God's letter to mankind. Don't ignore it. Dust it off, get into the Word, and let the Word get into you. And that's the thing about letters. The written Word is certainly powerful, but you have to read it to get anything out of it. Jamie, I love you. Thank you for the letters. This has been Something to Gnaw On. And the goal of the podcast is to have listeners come to know God in a deeply personal and experiential way. To accomplish that, I hope you'll dig into the scriptures in this story further and gnaw on both its deep truth and its application in your life. You can find the references in the transcript and the show notes. And if you haven't taken the opportunity to rate and post a review of the podcast on your particular listening platform, please take a moment to do so. We greatly appreciate it. Next week will be the last episode of this first season, this first year. It'll be a quick review of the first year's victories and accomplishments and give a bit more clarity for the next chapter of the podcast. I'm looking forward to it, and I'm hoping you are too. Till then, God bless.